Major League Absurdity, a show focused on the lighter side of sports. This is episode six. My name is Craig Limeberry, and with me as always is Justin Miller. Hello. Justin, what's new? Not a whole lot, you know, just kind of usual business. So yeah. Just ready to see another week of sports, although the NBA is kind of losing my attention rapidly. So. Oh. So. Dude, last night was an awful night of sports for me. Oh. The Phil's got sp- Banked by the Marlins. That's always embarrassing. That's embarrassing. <laughs> that is not ideal in any situation. Kyle Kendrick, 0-5. I think I think God. they're sending him down real soon. Yeah, I mean, 0-5, that's not going yeah. to keep you up very long. Yeah, and then, man, the Spurs taking it to the Thunder. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be uh, Spurs heat again, which means I will not be watching the finals again this year because I could not hate two teams more than I hate both of those teams. Yeah. So there's no winner when it comes yeah. to this finals for me. It's disappointing because you know what I think. You know I think it was going to be a tough series with the Thunder, but lo- losing Serge Ibaka, they just Nick Collison doesn't have the stamina to go up against Tim Duncan all game. No, not at all. And close. and and uh, and uh, Steve Adams is too young to, to to get in there, and so they're really hurting, and, and it's obvious because now they yeah. don't have any inside presence. Yeah, and they're just, yeah the the Spurs are just scoring at will down low. So. Yeah. If you can't stop that, you're in trouble. I haven't seen – I mean, that just was an awful beating for a Western Conference Finals game, too. Yeah. You should not be having games like that. Not at all. But, uh, but yeah, this weekend actually had a lot of, lot of interesting things happen. Um, first thing we're going we're gonna to talk about today is the Detroit Tigers, and they're actually going to be a big topic for us today. They are, yeah. They've had, they've had quite a wild about four days. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention they were actually on quite a winning streak. I mean, they, they swept Boston in Fenway, which obviously Boston's not what they have been in years past this year. But still, I mean, it's not an easy place to win no matter how right. the Red Sox are playing. Yeah. So to pull three in a row is obviously impressive. So here, here's what happened. They, they played the late game on Sunday. and I assume it was the ESPN game, so it was yeah. even longer than normal probably. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the game ended around 11.30. They board the plane at 1 a.m. to fly to Cleveland. Uh, mechanical issues. They sit on the plane for two hours. They deep plane at 3 a.m. They have to book new hotel rooms at two, like at like 2 a.m. in the morning yeah. for professional baseball players. Yeah, and they actually had to order. They had to get new charter buses too. Or no, they had to recall because their charter buses had left hours ago. Right. So they had to call the same company and be like, "Hey, can you send those buses back? Because we yeah. actually need a ride back yeah. in the city now." So they get to the uh, hotel at 3:30 a.m. Uh, I assume at some probably like around four, they finally probably get to sleep. Yeah. And then they leave the hotel. I'm not sure if they leave the hotel or they leave the plane at, at 1.30. I'm going to say they leave the plane because they said they got, like, not any sleep at all. Yeah. And then they finally get to Cleveland at 4.30, and their bags don't arrive until almost 5. Yeah. And game starts at 7. <laughs> that, is, that is a rough warm-up session for the away team right there. And uh, the best part – well, there's two great stories with this that I love. First off, Tigers bringing back the Zubaz. Yeah outfit they're all wearing it and that's all they've got yeah, that's all they've got because their bags aren't arriving so they're rocking these full head-to-toe detroit tiger zubaz outfits it's awesome yeah i mean if there's one thing one good thing that came out of this entire situation there's just so many great photos that were taken and posted on twitter yeah of them just like sleeping all over the place wearing nothing but zubaz and then just like an entire plane of zubaz yeah and then uh, back in Cleveland, uh, Dave Smiley, Drew who was Smiley, or Drew Smiley, I'm sorry, was um, it, on rehab. I think you said he was yeah. on rehab, so he flew ahead of the team to get to Cleveland. And the story with him is, is he got real nervous because he woke up the next day and no one was there. <laughs> yeah. And then he and then he shows up in the locker room, and it's three thirty in the afternoon, and he's literally just sitting there by himself in yeah. the locker room. He's, he posted a great photo on Twitter. It's like him. He's, there's like a slice of pizza, a Gatorade, and an empty locker room. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like quiet day on game day today. Yeah. So I, I was going to talk to you, Justin, about like, do you think that if you're a professional athlete, especially in baseball, could you do that? I mean, I, well, you know, I could do anything to make the kind of money they're making. Right. But I mean, <laughs> true. I, true. I mean, it's it's definitely got to be tough because, especially the expectations for you. I mean. You know, being able to play at a high level after you've had this just awful night, and plus you've been playing what probably several days. I mean, like three days in a row, obviously, probably ten or nine games out of ten days before that. Yeah. And to be able, going away and then staying in another hotel and trying to win games—that's that's tough. I mean, yeah. 
I don't know. I, I'm sure they figure out a way to handle it because I'm sure this happens at least once a year to just about every team that some crazy thing messes up. They end up yeah. getting in late or they have, you know, play one of those Sunday night games and it goes 17 innings, but they have to be somewhere else the next day. Right. You know, I mean, you never know what's going to come up. And some yeah. of these guys having to go, you know, if you're an East Coast team and you got a West Coast road oh. trip, woof. I mean that's that's I think is the most brutal. Yeah. I think it's I think it's I think it's harder to go um, west to east yeah. and then do that tour like when like the Dodgers come and they play all the NL East teams. That's, that's got to be rough because you got to take like that's that's red eye territory for a flight that you might take, um, and then you're not going to make up those hours until the back end mm-hmm. flying back to to California. I, I I just I can't imagine doing that. You're right. They get yeah. paid millions of dollars <laughs> yeah. to deal with it. But you're right. But at the same time, that's your livelihood. Yeah. And and you depend on these guys are all about routine. Right. So and so when their routine gets thrown off that badly. Right. You know, I mean, I'm sure they kind of they thrive on the fact that they're given a schedule and it says, okay, this is when you got to be here. This is when you got to be here. Right. Let's do it. And then that doesn't happen. You know, that's got to be really irritating. For yeah. Them. Well, it, um, it looks like it might have affected them too because they went to Cleveland and actually ended up getting slept. Yeah. But here's here's so after all, that whole whole ordeal, they get to the game on Monday. They they get into play and it actually goes into extra innings. So <laughs> after all of that waiting, it goes to ten innings and they lose. Yeah. So then Tuesday, normal game with Verlander on the mound, looking good. They lose again, six to two. Then uh, last night they go into extra innings again after this whole ordeal. They've already lost. Excuse me. They've already lost the series. Yeah. So now they have to go. And they, now they're playing for pride. Right. So they, they go to just third, get something out of this. Yeah. And it actually turns out to be a pretty exciting game. There's a couple uh, back and forth go ahead home runs. Right. Late late in the late in the game in the in, in the in the regular nine innings, um, the, uh, Cleveland ends up tying it up, and it goes into extras into thirteen. So they get to the thirteenth inning. Cleveland goes. Ahead, no, they can't do that because it has to. Oh no, I'm sorry. They tied because they, they were tied. Down by one. That's right. They 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 tied. The, the Tigers go ahead at the top of the thirteenth. Yeah, they hit the bottom of the thirteenth, and then crazy stuff happens. So I'll let you take that. Yeah, I mean it was crazy. It was man on third. I believe there was another man on two. Someone like first and third, I believe. And pitcher goes up. His glove kind of moves to the side a little bit and then back, and then he goes into pitching motion. Automatically a balk. Yeah. So sends in the winning run on a balk off. Yeah. Which that's such – I mean, I've never seen that happen. I, I think it has happened in recent years, but it's not – I mean, far from common, obviously. Yeah. And that's a tough one to get called on. I mean, it was such – it was a very minute move. I mean, they were right. But, man, that was – that's a tough way to lose, especially after all they'd gone through. Yeah. And they'd already lost their manager that game and Miguel Cabrera for being ejected. Which that was – so that was one of my big pet peeves in this game. So this happened twice in the same inning, possibly in consecutive batters. Ian Kinsler, uh, sw- like, check swings, called strike from home plate. And on the replay, it wasn't. It, like, he checked it. He did not pull – the barrel of the bat did not cross forward. And it, it's one of those things to me. That's like the back judge in football trying to call that the defense was offsides. Mm-hmm. They, he can't see that. He doesn't have the right angle for it. So – it's kind of I, I don't know if I was major leagues I'd be pretty upset with this umpire because almost the next batter later he did the exact same thing to Miguel Cabrera once again he checked his swing but the home plate umpire called it a strike without even looking down to the first base umpire to me that's the first base umpire's call a hundred percent of the time because honestly explain to me how the umpire can actually see that right from where he's standing he can't so it, also he should not be upset when someone questions him on it. He should immediately look down to the first base umpire and see what he has to say. He And that should give the first base umpire the opportunity to either A, confirm it, or B, overrule it. It shouldn't be the home plate solely his call. Right. It was just oh, it was so ridiculous. I mean, you had, that, you had that crew out there for a reason. Yeah. Like, why are you not going to utilize that guy down the first base line? So I have no problem with Brad Osmus and Miguel Cabrera getting ejected for this. Especially, I think... I don't think Cabrera or Osmus would have argued as much were it not for the fact that it just happened to Kinsler, too. Right. I mean, you know, how are you not almost just calling against the Tigers right now? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to call that. I, I think you could poll every umpire in the league 
and 99.9% of them, with the exception of this one guy, yeah. would say it's the first first base umpire's call every time. And they shouldn't be calling it unless it's, like, brutally obvious. Yeah. And neither of these obviously were because in replay they, they actually checked it. So clearly it wasn't that obvious. Right. So and that's and that's and it's a death wish for Miggy uh, and 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 Osmus because they're going out and arguing balls and strikes. Yeah, basically. so it's automatic ejection. They know it's coming. Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously not the first time. Cabrera clearly he's known to have a temper. He gets ejected. I'm not going to say regularly, but a surprising amount. Yeah, though, he for gets how ejected, good he is. Yeah, for how good he is, he gets ejected. I'd say more than most players. Yeah, it, yeah, he, he occasionally just goes nuts. Yeah, but you know, I mean. This time, I think he had a. I think he was right, and I think this is a situation where I wish that the major, like major league level, would show. Uh, they'd show like that they're serious about this and actually spend the umpire for just an egregious call, like something that just wasn't even performed correctly. Because I think, from a player standpoint, I feel like that's the most frustrating thing in the world. Is you know you're like, I you know I get suspended if I say anything about the umpire not performing correctly, but he could just go way out and do call something completely wrong, refuse to bring in anyone else, and Major League Baseball doesn't seem to care. They're just like, yep, keep on going. So I think, I don't know, I think that's the frustrating side from the player standpoint. It's it, What's hard about baseball is it's so, it's so easy to, to analyze because of how, not to sound cheesy, but how perfect the game is. I mean, it's geometrically set up perfectly everything you know every pitch is one play at a time there's there's not too much going on at any one point right that it's you know you should be able to get every call correct right you know and it goes back this this comes into the instant replay argument a little bit i like the instant replay system right now i hope they never expand it past the one challenge i think that's fine for now with the automatic rechallenge uh, automatic uh reviews on Home runs. I think they're starting to get it right with technology included as well. Agreed. But yeah, in this case, I completely agree with you, Justin. You gotta go and check your your first base out. Especially if it happens once, okay. When it happens the second time, now you're just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I you could see the umpire literally when he called it, he looked straight at Miguel Cabrera and did it. Oh, and like called him out or called the strike. Well, called the strike. I mean. If you're an umpire, when you call the strike, you look to the right. He looked to the left and called the strike. He looked at Miguel Cabrera. Like, what do you... I mean, come on. You're just... You're literally being an asshole. So... Yeah. Now you're not doing your job anymore, and you're drawing attention to yourself, which is the last thing that an umpire or referee should be doing. This, I mean, this is what we said about Joey Crawford. Right. No one should know the names of umpires or referees. Right. Period. Like, you shouldn't even realize that they're there. Right. I, you know, and this is this is a perfect example of that. Just overstepping his bounds, not calling the game correctly, being a dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, while we're on the subject of uh, 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 Miguel Cabrera, uh, I want to bring up with you, Justin, because you you've lived in the Denver area, and, and we're both big baseball guys. I think by now, even if you're a casual sports person, you know that Miguel Cabrera is one of the best players in baseball yeah, right absolutely. now, and possibly over the past decade. Um. So he's play, he plays first base for the for the Tigers right now. He's hitting three twenty one, uh, seven home runs, forty RBIs, and uh, twenty three runs. But there's a little guy out there playing shortstop for the Rockies named Troy Tulowitzki, hitting three seventy eight, thirteen home runs, thirty five RBIs, and forty four runs. So my question to you, Justin, right now, if you're building a team and you have to and you have first pick on one of these guys, who do you pick? To, to bolster your team and build around? Uh, I mean, are, are we talking both these guys, like, if they were in their primes? Because, obviously, I think Cabrera is two or th- three years older than, yeah. at least two or three years older. I would say, uh, you know, sort of in a fantasy way, like, you you, you know, you've got, you got your chance to get one of these guys. Uh, fine, we can do it in their prime. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I would actually, I think, initially go with Cabrera. Okay. Um, as much as I love Tulowitzki, and I think he's an excellent player, he's shown himself to be much more injury-prone than Cabrera is, which obviously Cabrera's right. had some injury problems. But uh, within the last couple of years, Tulowitzki's missed like three months plus of seasons. Right. I mean, when I the year I lived there, the year I had season tickets, I had him in 2012. He was out by April <laughs> and didn't play the rest of the year. 
And then even last year, he had some injury problems and didn't play a ton either. And, I mean, he's pretty young still. So there's the, uh, there's clearly the concern that in three to four years, he may have some very, very serious injury problems, and it's going to get even worse. So I don't know. I think I'd have to go with Cabrera. and Because I mean, clearly, especially in his in his prime, Cabrera was you know, getting triple crowns. I mean, right. that's almost unheard of in, the, in this day and age. So, and Tulowitzki also... As much as they, you know, they put the humidity in the balls, everything else, there's a, there's definitely a boost in your hitting whenever you're in Denver. I mean, it's it's a little easier okay. to hit up there. So I think the fact that uh, Miguel Cabrera does it in Detroit, which is actually not really a hitter's park as far as home runs go, um, you know, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I'd say right now I'd actually go with Troy. I mean, I, I'm looking at it – you're – I've noticed that sometimes you're big on looking at the injury proneness of guys. That is a fair – I mean, that's totally fair to look at. I mean, that's yeah. a big, big component of how these guys develop. But Troy Tulowitzki playing shortstop versus Miggy playing first. I yeah. mean, shortstop, if you, get, if you can get that much ability out of a guy to play out of shortstop, I, I think that's that's incredibly valuable. Because you also have to remember, Miggy played third base up until this year. So, I mean, he yeah. was, and he was a good third baseman. And, I mean, that is one thing with Troy Tulowitzki. He is, he is a very good fielder. However, I do think that that's actually what leads to his injury proneness. Is because I think uh, one year I'm pretty sure he got injured sliding. But a couple of times he's been injured diving after balls in the Yeah, he's made some pretty incredible catches. Yeah, he has. But that's also – it's kind of his demise too. It was like uh, whenever Josh Hamilton was in Texas, that was – he kept getting injured because he would crash into the wall. It's like the Bryce Harper thing. It's like, wow, that's an amazing play, but maybe next time don't do that because now you're out for a month. Yeah. So, like – And you still play almost did it again this year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like we'd rather, like, give up that hit than give up you for a month. Right. So – you know, you got to be careful whenever you're out yeah. there. I, I'm just looking at, at this. Now, bring up to this year. I mean, Troy, though, has been on fire. I he looked has, at his yeah. stats. He is just unstoppable since the beginning of the season. Yeah. I, his numbers are incredible. I mean, he has plenty of multi-hit games. He's got a 736 slugging percentage, which I still like slugging as a stat. I know, like, with sabermetrics and the way guys look at baseball – but slugging to me, it's just, you know that's an old school stat, and, and for it to be seven thirty six, he almost had an eight hundred at one point. Yeah. It's come down a little bit. Uh, Mickey's only around five hundred slugging. However, Mickey was hitting two oh six at the end of April, and he's now hitting three twenty one. Yeah, so he he's on up. a streak. He's he's more of a, on a hot streak, but I think the type of streak that doesn't stop. <laughs> but the reason I take Troy too is. You look at Colorado, Colorado's 26-21. and 21. They're second in the NL West. I think the team around make, around Cabrera is a little better built than the team around around Troy. And I think Troy's taking on his shoulders a little bit more to keep him in some of those games. I think, I think I'd have to actually pretty firmly disagree on that one. I think that I think the Cabrera, I think the Tigers have a lot better pitching, but I think uh, offensively, I, I think it's not even close. The Rockies are significantly better. They have a, a lot of amazing players. I mean, they also have Carlos Gonzalez. They have Justin Morneau, Michael Kadire, who hasn't even been healthy. Right. I mean, they have pretty solid. Nolan Arenado's their third baseman. Right. He's one of the well, best third basemen in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean like Gonzo's a, a pretty... He had like a 26-game hitting streak. Yeah, I mean, Carlos Gonzalez, you're right. He's, he's definitely the other guy. I mean, I will disagree with you a little bit about Justin Morneau. I think he's kind of over his prime, you're probably going to bring up some stat to prove me wrong right now. Well, I mean, he's only batting 321 with nine homers and 30 RBIs this year. Yeah. Oh, he's man. He's killing it this year. All right. Well, I, <laughs> what, I, I instantly had, retract he, my statement. He's had several uh, – he's had a couple walk-offs this year. I mean, they've – their their team is very strong this year, like all around, not just with Troy. Uh, yeah, Nolan Arenado is batting 294. Right. Is he, is he the hot young kid they have? Yeah. Yeah, Aaron, okay. Yeah, he's 23. He was pretty much a rookie last year. Uh-huh. Also, a random guy playing outfield is uh, Charlie Blackman. He's batted real well. 335 with uh, nine homers, 32 Man. RBIs. I mean, All these just, guys, like, a three, like, they're over 333. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what... And honestly, with the Rockies, they've never had good pitching, so they have to have guys. Mm-hmm. They have to score 10 runs a game because the other team's going to get eight. I mean, that's just their style of play. 
And some of it is, you know, it, it is tougher to pitch in that park. And because of that, they have a really tough time getting in, bringing in good pitchers. Because mm-hmm. if you're a pitcher and they're trying to sign, you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> like, this is going to murder my stats. Like, yeah. My ERA is going to go up a full point just because I'm playing in Colorado. Right. So it's just, it's really tough to, to convince guys to come and play out there. Well, I mean, okay, fine. Then I think with that team, that choice obviously doing something. Yeah. I right. Mean, I mean, with. I mean, still hitting 13 home runs already at this point. Yeah, I mean, and, he's, and that's not that's not all in Colorado. I mean, he's doing some of no, that on the road. He's doing some of it on the road. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I, like I said, I do like him. I just, I don't know. If, I think I would have to go Cabrera every time, personally. Okay, but yeah, you know, well, whatever. Agree, disagree. To, to, yeah, agree, disagree. <laughs> to each his own. Um. Well, moving on to maybe a, a different topic that uh, maybe we can have a little more agreement on. Okay. <laughs> Can't agree on everything. Yeah. All right. And like, and like we said before on the show, we are not stack guys. Justin literally looked up all the stats right now. I didn't look up any. <laughs> yeah. I was just going off a of gut. And that obviously blew back in my face. So, yeah. whatever. I was just going off a wing and a prayer, guys. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, also this uh, this weekend, uh, we had two interesting cases on Sunday of guys uh, celebrating too early. Yeah. Uh, so, it happened twice on Sunday. Uh, there's a, The tour of California is going on right now, uh, obviously in California. And they're on stage seven of the tour. And they got this guy, Aloy Tarul, out of Spain. Yeah. Uh, and in stage seven, they 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 do laughs. Not like France per se, where they they can go like from one point to another. Right. They have to. It's a little bit more condensed. So they so the stage seven, they have to do three laps. So our homeboy Aloy comes around on the second lap, arms raised, like like he did, did it. it. He, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Look what I did. Yeah. I'm awesome. Uh, doesn't understand a lick of English. So if you watch the clip, <laughs> they're like, no, 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 one more lap, yeah. one more lap, one more lap. Yeah. No, no, no. And he's still just like, yeah, one more lap, man. Yeah. <laughs> number one. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, well, yeah number one. Uh, so he uh, he ends up finishing 56. Yeah, that's a, that is a rough, <laughs> rough fallback. But that also makes you wonder, though. I mean, you're like, I, I don't know. If you're in the lead that far, I, he clearly figured out at some point fairly quickly that, oh, wait, all these people are now really rushing up behind me. This was not the like this race is not over. Right. So how do you still drop to fifty six? Like he must have been kind of gassed at that point too, because, yeah. or maybe he was just like maybe he knew he was gassed, and he wasn't gonna be able to hold the lead. So he thought, whatever, I'll have my moment of glory. Yeah, <laughs> He's maybe. like coming across the finish line. That's yeah, true. lap early, but hey, I'm here. I'm the first. Ain't gonna last because my legs are dead. <laughs> so uh, meanwhile, in China. Um, I cannot say these names. I'm going to butcher them. <laughs> uh, you have Taifuk uh, Makuli out of Algeria running in an 800-meter uh, race in Shanghai. Now, this one I think is more interesting because he, like, wasn't decidedly in the lead. Yeah. He, I, mean, I don't know what this guy was thinking. Yeah. So he's they're pulling up on the last, you know, couple meters, last 50 meters – and he's got a guy to the left of him and a guy to the right. Yeah. And he, like, puts up his arms in celebration, and uh, the guy on the right blows past him on yeah. the line. And uh, by the name of uh, Kiptu uh, Bawat out of Kenya. Now, this one, now, at least with the, the cycling, uh, it, it costs you placement within the stages. Right, but it doesn't physically cost you money yet. Yet. <laughs> Homeboy out of Algeria got... <laughs> Hose for ten thousand dollars. And let's get serious. Ten thousand dollars in Algeria is like a new mansion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's Algeria. So yeah, I mean, it's like I don't know. That one is pretty bad. Watching the replay on that one, I I don't know. I feel like he just didn't where he was running at. I don't think he expected anyone to not be on the inside of him because he was kind. Of, he was probably running. If I remember correctly, he was around lane three ish. Yeah on the track. So by that point you're, I mean, everybody's probably trying to stick pretty close to the inside. Yeah. So he's probably more looking at his left and he, I think he saw the guy on his left and realized he was going to be able to beat him no matter what. Yeah. But that was the problem is he didn't see the guy on his right. Cause when you see him celebrating, he's got his arms out like this and he's like looking to the left. Yeah. That's also where the clock is too. Yeah. 
But yeah. then all of a sudden, you like see the fear in his eyes whenever he like can sense that there's somebody <laughs> coming past it's like him. A, it's like a, yeah, like exactly. a, like a blast like of wind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that, was, that one was rough to watch. Have you ever done that in, in any sports you've done? What do you mean? Like like celebrate too early or, or, uh, or got a little cocky? No, I don't think so. Not that I can remember. Um, I I have two instances. Okay. One, one direct me directly involved. The other one not. Um, so I used to wrestle, and uh, I was at a, a wrestling meet and uh, watching one of the matches. And this kid uh, was a lower seed in the tournament, beating up on this on this higher seeded kid. It was in points. It was in the third round. Now it was in it was a points, and he was up like he was up like by good like five seven points. And so he pretty much had to like dance around, maybe grapple, just not get taken down. Yeah. Well, the crowd started getting into it. I think it might have been like a home crowd or something for the tournament. So he starts getting into it. And he's like a little too close to his opponent. And he did like the kind of like arm thing or he kind of looked away. I forget what it was. But I forget what he actually did, but I'll never forget it. Like all of a sudden, double leg takedown right to the back, pinned. <laughs> and lost the match. It's like, oh, like you got to just stick in that. Like just. Lock up and just make sure your legs are reachable at yeah. that point. And just keep them at bay. Second one, uh, this was a, th- th- it's hard because it was, it was in soccer. So you can't really do it in soccer, but this is what happened in my head. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm playing uh, senior night uh, for soccer, uh, for, for my soccer team. It's my senior year. We're playing senior night. And uh, we're playing, we're, you know, Eastern Red Rovers playing Nor- Northampton County uh, or Northampton Concrete Kids. We're up t- we're up three nothing at this point. We end up winning the game three nothing. And I, I used to play forward. I was a big guy for forward. I, I like was like a like a just muscled guys up there. <laughs> yeah. And I was having a really good game. Like for soccer, again, like we talked about this a little bit on some other shows. It's hard with soccer. It's hard to say like what's good, what's bad because you can end up with zero zero still in the end. Right. But I was having a good game. I was making some good plays, some good passes. Um. So I get the ball like right inside the eighteen, right inside the eighteen yard box, and I've got. Nothing but daylight in front of me. So I'm like, I'm going to take this shot. So I take this shot. I'm on, I'm near post. Um, and I take the shot near post. I should have taken a far post. I'll say that right, right away. But I go upper 90. And like in my <laughs> head, like everything slows down, right? Everything slows down. And I'm like, oh, like I'm going to do this. I'm going <laughs> to fucking score this goal. Yeah, I'm going to crush uh, this. this. I can't wait. So I'm, going, like, I'm like upper 90. Like that's what the pros do. Like yeah. upper 90. I see it go, and I'm at this weird angle, and the it's like an old net, and it's and it's going up, and it's and it's curving. I'm like, and I got the curve on it, like <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like, this is cool. It's over, it's over the goalie's reach. He's yeah. at, he's out of place. Comes up, curves, and it hits the side of the net. So there's that brief moment with the angle I'm at. And seeing the net move with the ball there, yeah, I yeah. thought it went in. Yeah, and I like did like the quick like. And I saw it like go behind the net. Like my arms went halfway up and like came right back down. Damn it. (laughs) And that's like one of those, that's like a high school moment. Like I'll never forget it. Like, like I basically have my Letterman jacket on right now. Telling the story. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I do remember one time we were playing in a uh, softball tournament. I was in grad school and this one kid on our team just absolutely crushed the ball. It was one of those fields where there, there weren't fences. So, I mean, like, for a home run, you still had to actually beat the throw in because there was no such thing as it clearing the fence. So he's coming around third, and he can see, like, they're not going to get the ball in in time. So he's kind of coming around, throws his hands up. But the night before, it had rained, <laughs> and the grass right off to the side of third base was kind of slick. So as soon as he throws his hands up, he loses his footing and just eats shit. (laughs) He has a hard time getting up. So by the time he gets up, the ball is actually coming in. So he has to go back to third base. He can't actually turn into a home run. It was so funny. After the inning was over, he's like, do you guys see that sniper out there? (laughs) Because something hit me. It was incredible. It also makes me think of, uh, did you see earlier in the season, Nick Young for the Lakers? No. It's like a last second three-pointer to win the game. He throws it up. It looks like it's going in. He turns like with back to the basket, throws his arms out celebrating, and then it clanks off the side of the rim. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Because there's a camera angle like down the court that they showed on the replay, and it's just incredible. Yeah. You see him like celebrating, cocky. Ar- just arms like, out. Yeah, and then you see the ball just fire off the side of the rim. <laughs> 
Well, that reminds me of like a, in football. I, I seen it twice recently. Uh, uh, one of the clips I saw today was Von Miller did it with uh, the Broncos against the Ravens. Uh, the past couple of years, where he intercepted the ball at like the forty, uh, you know, had like nothing but daylight in front of him, drops it at the one, <laughs> yeah, and then of course Deshaun Jackson. Oh yeah, not only who's, did it once, did it twice. Made a career of doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was um, Justin Blackman did that in college one time. He also, and it was like a big game against Texas A&M. He dropped the ball like right in front of the end zone. Unbelievable. And it was one of those that he dropped it. And this one actually, it was worse than Deshaun's because Deshaun's, they like st- they still gave the Eagles the ball at the one. Uh, Blackman lost it. It went into the end zone and then out. So then it's automatically a touchback and A&M ball. So that you know, you go from thinking you have seven points to now you don't even have the ball anymore. Right. And so it was just like the worst turn of events possible. Yeah, I mean you see, I find in football that tends to happen. Also, one of my favorites, this always happens, at least one rookie a year does this. A rookie wide receiver will catch a ball like diving, hits the ground, doesn't get touched, gets up, celebrates, like spikes, spikes the ball, and everybody's like, Hey, Still a live ball. Like, this is not college anymore. Yeah. you got to get up and run. And then it's a fumble, and <laughs> the coach is in their ear for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, how many times have we told you the rules are not the same here? Oh, of course, it's worse when Roy Williams does it at, in, like, his seventh year in the league. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Celebrating first downs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Roy Williams. <laughs> Never be able to hear that name and not cringe. <laughs> but speaking of cringeworthy stuff... Uh, there is this. There is uh, this. This. This event. Well, I'll start off with that. <laughs> Somewhere in middle of America, I'm going to say, d- looking at the crowd. <laughs> uh, so this is a good time to bring up Justin and and, our, and my feelings about mixed martial arts fighting and UFC fighting. Uh, Justin, I'll let you go first. Well, all right. So I really don't like the term mixed martial arts because the more the more scientific term for it should be bar fights. Right. Because that is basically what it is. It's literally, hey, just try to beat the shit out of this guy in any way that you know how. And it's just, I don't know, it's street brawling to me. It's not really that exciting. Like, it's basically fight club. But the only rule with this one is that you have to tell everyone everything you know about it. Because the people that are into it are just way too into it. Way too into it. And I think... That's what's so funny is a lot of people have written about MMA and they've said the one thing keeping most people from liking MMA is the people that currently like MMA. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like, I don't want to be anything like that Jersey Guido douchebag wearing nothing but affliction and doing roids all the time. So I want nothing to do with him. And because like MMA is clearly right now for the big fights, it's one of those sports where you pretty much have to go to a bar to watch it someplace that has pay-per-view. So I am not about to go to a bar full of these people and hang out and watch this fight. Right. Like that is just not sound enjoyable to me. Right. Like maybe I'll catch the highlights the next day on ESPN, whatever, but I'm not going to watch yeah. the fight with these people. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you too, Justin. I think the whole culture around MMA fighting is just gross. Yeah. I just, I just, I can't get into it. It's disgusting. Um, I think, and unfortunately I think it's captured the attention of a lot of, uh, Boxing fans, which goes back to last week's episode a little bit. Yeah. And that's why boxing has really gone down because they're like, oh, well, now we'll see like bare knuckle. Basically, basically bare knuckle. I mean, they were gloves somewhat. Basically bare knuckle, you know, fighting where they can kick each other. Yeah. And they can submit. Like, so it's bringing in boxing and then that, that sort of reality with like WWE type wrestling and they made a reality. Yeah. And it's this crazy gross crossover of like, the American psyche and like competitiveness and violence yeah. that comes together, and that's why I don't like it. I think it's I think it's way too violent. You want to talk about all these issues with with guys getting concussed in the NFL? I can't wait to see some of these MMA fighters in like oh, yeah. ten years. Oh, and there was there was actually just an article on Deadspin yesterday about how they're having some problems with uh, they're having some problems with some of these MMA fights because you know with like with boxing, there's bo- the like various boxing commissions. So it's, you know, there's a little more organization to it. But for instance, in the state of New York, professional fights are not allowed. But for some reason, amateur fights are. So that's how they're hosting these MMA things in New York. 
and they have their own kind of New York athletic commission, sort of. It's like a really loose affiliation, Mm -hmm. but they're not very good at dealing with injuries. They don't communicate with any of the other states. So, for instance, if if you're in New York, you're a fighter, and you get concussed there, then you're you're not allowed to fight for x amount of time i think it's like six weeks or something right so but the problem is that because new york won't communicate with any of the other states those guys the following weekend can drive down to jersey and try to get a fight there and jersey might call new york and say hey is this guy are there any medical issues and new york won't tell them and so you know and so they actually they were talking to some of the guys that run the pennsylvania new jersey fights and they said they've gotten where they're like it's very rare that they'll allow some of these New York fighters to come in because they have no idea. They could, and they don't obviously don't want to be liable if this guy gets his brain beaten in, right? And then somebody says, "Oh, well, he had a concussion last week." Oh, well, we didn't know. I mean, yeah. you know, so there needs to be much more organization to it. And one of the things I don't like, I mean, I've seen this a hundred times watching these MMA fights, is the guy goes down, he's on the mat, and the other guy just jumps on top of him and starts punching him in the back of the head. I'm, you know, I'm no medical expert here. Seems like a bad idea, right. you know. And like, how is that? How is that entertaining to watch? Like, that dude is crawled up in the fetal position and he's getting punched in the back of the head. And you watch the referee will sit there and watch for about ten seconds, and then finally he's like, "All right, ten rabbit punches in the back of the head. That's enough. That's yeah. enough." Like, uh, probably prior to one was too many. Yeah. Like, I, if it's submissions, that's one thing. I get that. But just beating the shit out of somebody when they're on the ground is not really, yeah. you know, it's well, yeah. not entertaining to me. Well, that idea of being submission, somebody in a submission is a good segue into the topic we were going to bring up here. Is that, So this week, somewhere in the middle of America, <laughs> it's called Prison City Fight League. I don't know if Prison City, if there's actually a place called Prison City. I didn't get a chance to look this up. Or if that's like Prison City, like... That's just the name yeah. of it. If that's the name of your town, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not because you had an option. <laughs> yeah. So it's this amateur fight. It's like at like a carnival or something. It's out. It's outside. Oh, carny MMA. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. So amateur video. So we got these these two guys, Mike Pendanko and Jeremy uh, Rasner. So Mike, the, you know, they're both in there in the in the match, and you watch this video online. Maybe we'll put up a YouTube clip of it. I don't really want to, but you, you know, you can find it on on Yahoo too, pretty easily. Mike Pintanko beats the crap out of Jeremy, but this is like this is am, this is amateur amateur. This isn't UFC amateur or like UFC fighting. This is amateur amateur. Right. Jeremy had no. This kid probably would like sign up that day. Yeah. You know, like he had no business putting on any kind of. Uh, taking a shirt off and putting on any kind of MMA gloves. Yeah. Mike Pintanko, on the other hand, is like Bruce Lee. He's like <laughs> doing like flying leg kicks, like spin kicks in the air. He looks like freaking Ryu out of Street Fighter <laughs> going after this kid. So Mike Pintanko, all of a sudden, in the, in the middle of this match, he and he just clocked Jeremy. Like he just round, like right hooked to the like temple. And you can see Jeremy get like real woozy and kind of stagger. Mike takes a step back. Puts the knee down and taps out. Yeah. So, I have I have mixed feelings about this because one of the feelings we just discussed, but two, if you're in that situation, so you're already in an MMA fight, just beat them. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, definitely. But at the same time, I don't know if I'm this guy. If I'm like, if I'm the guy that ended up tapping out, I'm a little concerned, only because you realize the force that you just hit that guy with and he didn't go down. And so there's definitely the concern that if you continue and try to bring him down, you're going to have to do more to get him down. And you may actually do permanent damage to the guy. Like, sure. and this is another thing. It was actually brought up in this article. These referees are so poorly trained. So what article are you talking about? Uh, it's on the one on Deadspin. Okay. The one on Deadspin. Okay. Um, Cause they were talking about that with the referees for uh, the New York MMA fights. Okay, that they I just don't, they don't step in when they really need to, and that's that's the same thing here. If you're if you're a referee and you see a guy get clocked in the head, and then he's just like slumping around for a second, like having a hard time getting his bearings, that's the end of it. Because that dude is concussed. It does not take it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. I mean, you know, because even what was it, Paul George in that uh, Pacers Heat game yep. the other night, he got a concussion, and it wasn't as obvious as something like this. So, 
if someone can get a concussion and it's not that obvious, this guy definitely had one. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, you take a shot to the temple, you're having a hard time walking. That's pretty much all you need to see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, there just needs to be so much more oversight on this. And that's what – I think that's the really dangerous part about it is that there is no real oversight. And there's these amateur fights everywhere, and they just don't – they're not really that attentive to what's going on. Yeah. It's yeah, it's gross. I mean, just just disgusting. Although um, on a business side, I, I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not. The guy who owns UFC, he's like a famous Dana White. Yeah, do you know how much he originally bought? Like he, he bought it for? It was not much. It was a he, small investment. Right? He paid like ten thousand dollars. Yeah, or something like something ridiculously small. Basically, he bought like the space and the original ring. Yeah, from some other guy, and, and now he's turning into. into- multi-billion dollar investment. Uh, My last thought on why I don't like MMA fighting, and you're going to laugh at this because you were there. So you actually brought this up about how you have to go to a bar and watch pay-per-view. Yeah. So Justin and I were out with friends one night. There's about a good, a group of 15 of us. At least. It might have been even closer to 20 or 30. Yeah, 20 or 30. Um, We just got from a. We just left the party and we're going out um, around. And so we're in the Dupont Circle area of DC, and there's a a a bar there that I still like. I still do like it. Uh, Buffalo Billiards. It's a bar that's kind of in the bottom of a of an office building, but it's huge. It's this huge, expansive place. Great place to go play pool, um, uh, shuffleboard, and watch games. They have tons of TVs there, and they have and they have pretty good drink deals. So uh, it's I know I'm with Catherine, and and you're somewhere behind us, and and. There's a UFC fight that night, and they have a cutoff time at 8 o'clock. And you have to go down the set of stairs, get your ID checked, and then they let you in. So we straddled that 8 o'clock time. Catherine and I got in at like 7.58, and you were there at like 8.01. Yeah. And they locked it down at 8 o'clock, and I thought that was absurd. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, we are obviously with this group of kids. Yeah, it was also, it was a St. Paddy's Day bar crawl. That's right, that's right. So everyone's in green. So it's pretty obvious to tell who's in this group and who's not because if you're wearing green you're likely part of this and so literally half of our group was in and then we, waiting right there for the yeah. other half of the group and then we walked up and they're like yeah that'll be ten dollars and we were only planning on staying at this bar for 30 or 45 minutes the, the fight started in an hour or more and so you know we're trying to talk to the bouncers and i said hey uh i mean i'm literally i'll be out of here before the fight even starts like I'm sorry, I have legitimately zero interest in watching this fight. Like, I, that's just the way it is. And they're like, well, that's just the rules. And it's like, well, I'm leaving. Yeah. So then that's – I mean, our group ended up getting split up because there was no point. Yeah. I think, and I think even I, at that point, a couple of drinks, I went up to them like, listen, this this stuff is so dumb. Like, like <laughs> yeah. It's really – it's like really stupid. And I'm, I know I know you're just doing the rules, but it's stupid. Like, we're not going to watch this stupid shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're coming to have like, a beer. Like, you can literally put me in a corner of the bar where that is not visible – and I'm going to be actually happier, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so that would always stick out with me. Just And again, place packed. Yeah. Packed. And every TV had it on. Yeah. And when I say every TV, like they have like oh, they've got, 40. Yeah, they've got tons. I mean, it's like wall to wall. You know, it's not just a few TVs here and there. They're literally lined up adjacent to each other. With, I mean, with multiple projector screens mixed in there, yeah. too. It's it, just. It was absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. <laughs> uh, so, you know. Talk about TV a little bit. Uh, actually, this is a fun topic for me this week, and I feel like I've talked a lot, so I apologize, Justin. Oh, no, but, it's fine. Um, this will be fun for some of our crossover fans. So, if anybody watched this week's episode of Game of Thrones, this isn't really a spoiler alert because the guy, the character, has been on the show before, um, but they recast them. So, there's this character on Game of Thrones, which is a phenomenal show, phenomenal set of books. I've read the books, watched the show, watched the show. Like repeatedly watched it because <laughs> it's so good and it matches the book so well, it's 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 incredible. So if you guys haven't got a chance to watch Game of Thrones, go watch it. Um, there's a guy, there's a character uh, in the storyline uh, who's essentially a bad guy, and by essentially I mean he's pure evil. <laughs> <laughs> and they call him the Mountain. His nickname is the Mountain. Now I won't go into the whole history of who he is. Long story short, he's he's a small. There's these families. He's a small family that's loyal to like the bad family. Um, so he's, he's a, there's these two brothers who are in this small little family that is aligned to the, the, the Lannisters, which are like the, the bad guy family in the show. So they call this guy the Mountain. And in the books and on the, on the TV show, 
he's always in the background. You never see you see him a little bit in in the first season and in the first book, but then he, he's always like this war starts and he's out and like you hear you there's like other characters telling stories about the mountain. So the mountain, the mountain. The reason they call him the mountain is the guy is so big that he rides a stallion, a full grown stallion. It makes it look look like a pony. <laughs> so the, so the idea is that this guy is huge, right? So they had they had one actor the first season, and I thought he was fine. But again, small small little small little role in the first season on Game of Thrones. So they recast him, and they they cast this guy named Half Thor. His name is literally Half Thor. It's his first name Bjornsson. So he's he's some kind of Scandinavian. I think he's Icelandic. Pretty sure he's Icelandic um, to play the role of the mountain. So he made his first reveal this week, and for people who know the story, again, no spoiler, but he. He becomes a bigger role as this season goes on. Uh, so they cast this guy Half Thor Bjornsson. So I was online looking him up, and it turns out he has a uh, sports connection. He tried out for the Colts as a lineman, and and why not? Because the guy is 6'9", 400 pounds. Oh my god! And he is pure muscle. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's like rippling muscle. <laughs> I, I couldn't even imagine touching this guy. Like he's probably like feels like touching a rhino. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The guy is 6'9", 400 pounds. Tried out for the Colts. He squatted 800. Oh, my God. So that's about four of me. Yeah. And then he benched 500 pounds. Uh, the reason they didn't take him is because he had bad feet. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. That, like, I mean, that's the only that, – you, you had to have some bad thing. You know what I mean, like, yeah. you're 6'9", 400 and pure muscle. Like, you can't get everything. I'm yeah. sorry. That's just the way it, that's yeah. just the way it goes. So if you haven't watched the show or haven't watched the show yet, look up this guy, Half Thor Bjornsson. And I was going to ask you, Justin, about linemen because you're a Cowboys fan. And to yeah. me, Cowboys have, have historically, I think they're changing a little bit, they've always had the biggest line. Yeah, Larry Allen was just a monster. Yeah, he was like 400 pounds almost, yeah, he's pretty I think. close. And I mean, yeah. he's basically the entire reason that Emmett Smith was who he was. Right. Because he just like blasted a hole in the defensive line every time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we always had huge offensive linemen. With the, even our, I feel like even our centers were fairly large compared yeah. to the centers in other teams. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's changing a little bit more because I think now defensive lines are not quite as big as they used to be, but they're more athletic. I mean, you look at a guy like Jadavian Clowney or something like that, he's so fast. And so you have to have a left tackle that can keep up with that. And so it, it's, not as, it's not necessarily as advantageous to have a guy that's massive but you need a guy that can move quickly and get around. And yeah. So that's I think the defensive lines has been what's changed the offensive line. Yeah. In turn, I think and I think the offensive line has gotten much more athletic. Well, and also the uh, the offensive line. There's been those stories over the past couple of years of like the like the obesity scares. These guys when they go out and not 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 necessarily pro guys, but a lot of like college and high school kids who are built to go to the pros. They've been having like heat strokes because yeah. they're so big and they're not hydrating properly. Um, but they also have to start moving faster because the game is speeding up so much more every yeah, year. Absolutely. Um, and you've actually seen lines, uh, dot, uh, I think, get a little bit more slimmer over the past couple years. But the Cowboys always stick out to me because still up to like I think last year they were outweighing lines. They're they're the heaviest line. And by good, like, 30 pounds? Yeah. Like, when you think about all five guys across the line, comparatively yeah. across the NFL, 30 pounds is a crap ton. Yeah, it is. Like, above, that's the next guy, is like 30 pounds. I mean, above, like, the smallest, it was, like, a whole person. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, 250 <laughs> pounds. Um, but I don't know, looking at this guy, Bjornsson, and looking at some of the linemen, like, linemen always have some girth on them. And, like, looking at this guy, like, I'm like, that'd be pretty awesome if you get a guy who's, like, spelt yeah. and, like, the thing that would, I, the thing that would, I think be my concern, and I've always wondered this, when you have really big offensive linemen, because actually Baylor has a guy that he might play some this year. Uh, the kid is literally six eight, three ninety, I think. Uh -huh. And so sometimes I wonder when you're that tall, if it's actually a disadvantage uh, whenever you're playing offensive line, because you know you're squatted down. And then you kind of have to stand up and get moving. Right. But I, I just feel like when you're that tall, maybe it's a little – it takes just like a, a half second longer to get completely stood up and get going. Yeah, that's so, right. It's I all about – I feel like, you know, those guys that are about 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", that's almost kind of like the perfect height yeah. where you're big enough, but you're not too big, you're not too small. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's interesting to see, especially with this kid, I'll be interested to see if he plays this year and then 
if he does, how well he yeah. performs. Well, I think, um, who was it, Ogden, who played for Baltimore for all the years? Jonathan was, Ogden. Uh, yeah, Ogden, yeah. He was pretty big. I think yeah, I'm he not was sure like about his... six seven. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. He, he always, was a Hall of Famer, so... Yeah, he is, and he's a Hall of Famer, so, so somehow it works. Yeah, exactly. But, well, it's just cool that it's just this fun tie-in, because he's an awesome character on the show. Yeah. So if anybody's going to watch it, he kicks some ass coming up soon, <laughs> so it's awesome. Um, we just have a, a couple more topics. Uh, it, uh, do you want to stick with the NFL? Yeah, Justin, might as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the owners' meetings were this past weekend, yeah. which are... Uh, Maybe not weekend, but this past week at least. And, you know, that's always kind of an interesting time. And the NFL is kind of trying out some new stuff. I don't know if you saw that they're in the Hall of Fame game. And two weeks of the preseason, PATs are going to be kicked from 15 yards out as opposed to the usual two-yard line uh-huh. because they're trying to – I don't know. They're experimenting with the idea of making it slightly more difficult. Uh, I, I've always been the guy that I think either they should completely get rid of it or – make you have to go for two all the time. I think that'd make the game a lot more interesting. But um, one thing that they also turned down was, at least for now, was the idea of expanding the playoffs by uh, two teams. So, you know, I that one's an interesting, to me, interesting one to me because ESPN, obviously, as they're talking about all this stuff, they're comparing all the leagues and what percentage of teams in each league go to the playoffs – and the NFL was at, I believe it was 37%. You know, it's, what, uh, 12 out of 32, I think is the number. So I actually really like that. I think that is the perfect amount of teams to send into the playoffs from a league. I think baseball, in a way, almost has at times too few. But at the same time, I don't really know how they would expand the playoffs without making it run into, like, Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of just have to – like just let it go and then the flip side of that is i think the nba and the nhl let in too many teams because half the teams in the league go to the playoffs i mean that's just crazy yeah i don't there's no point i mean you have sometimes multiple teams that are below 500 going into the playoffs you're probably letting in too many teams you know it's just not really I, i don't think it's worth it but so i'm hoping that they continue to table this discussion clearly one of the people that is a proponent is jerry jones um I think he was even quoted as saying it would be better for the Cowboys because the Cowboys keep being 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. And they were like, typical Jerry Jones. Instead of making the Cowboys better, he just wants the playoffs expanded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, it is pretty, it's pretty irritating that, that that would be his approach is to just expand the playoffs. But I hope they don't do it. And, you know, one of the things that's been talked about in the past as well is maybe expanding to an 18-game schedule as opposed to 16. I definitely hope that doesn't happen. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, as it is, these players are having enough injury problems. Mm-hmm. Two more games in the year is going to make it even worse. I think they're pretty much running at the max that they can do. Because, I mean, if you were to go, say they went to an 18-game schedule and they expanded the playoffs, presumably how they'd expand it is there would no longer be bye weeks for the top two teams. They would play in the first round. So if you won the Super Bowl, you would be playing, not including preseason games, 22 games in a season. I mean, that's just that's too much. Mm-hmm. I don't think teams could possibly handle that. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I hope that they kind of keep things fairly at the status quo. Um, well, I don't know. Money talks. Money does talk. Yeah. And that's the problem. And I think the it's, it's two problems. One, money talks. Two, there's a disconnect between owners and players. Because yeah. really the owners only see the dollar signs, but the players actually see the real effects of what happens whenever you try to expand and try to play more games and things like that. Yeah. So – and, you know, it's – it's yeah, it would make more money, but at the same time also that's going to require a lot bigger contracts too. And I think especially some of these players, they'd probably start pushing for more guaranteed money because, you know, I think that you would have short, a little bit of shortened careers because guys are playing extra games per season. So yeah. they would want to be guaranteed more of that money up front. Yeah. So – would you actually save that much money in the long run? I don't know. Yeah. Or actually earn that much more, I mean. I don't know. I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, but yeah. hopefully well, they don't. And I actually see it on the other end, and going back to our, our discussion right now about linemen, I think it also pushes um, summer camps back, back to being earlier, yeah. being even those hotter days of July and possibly June, because you if you're going to condition them for those extra two games, you need more time to condition them. Yeah, exactly. So now you're pushing them even further back and that again elongates everything 
Yeah. Just like you're saying. So I, I, mean, I agree. I'm just, just confirming that, that idea. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, one of the good things that did come out of the owners' meetings this, this past week was they decided they'd have the Super Bowl in Minnesota, which I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. I like when they're having the Super Bowl in new places. Some of the people have said, oh, you know, the weather could be bad. Whatever. The weather could be bad anywhere. I mean, it, that's just something that you deal with. It's an, it's an arena, like a dome. It's not going to be a problem. I mean, it's Minnesota. They've cleared snow out of the way before, so I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and, I you know, I just I, – I hope that the NFL goes towards this idea of having the Super Bowl at a, a larger variety of places. I'm getting pretty tired of it being just New Orleans, Arizona – uh, Miami and like one other city, like one other city all the time. It's stupid to have that rotation. I mean, especially New Orleans obviously is a cool place to have it, but the Superdome's kind of a dump. So yeah. you know, and the same thing they're having the, the same problem in Miami. Miami needs to do a lot of updates to their stadium. They voted down a, paying any money to do it. So the NFL has basically said they're not going to have any Super Bowls there for a while. Yeah, and I really think. I think the Super Bowl should be like the All-Star Game. I think it should be in a new city every year. And some years you're going to deal with having cold weather games. You know, some years you're going to be in Lambeau and it's going to be February and it's going to be freezing. That's just one of the elements behind it. I yeah. think that makes the game more interesting. And hope I mean hopefully they'll kind of move to that, but but they but they've got some safe ways to test it out. I mean, St. Louis, Atlanta, yeah, uh, Houston. I mean, those are all dome stadiums that they can try out this moving around. Yeah, it seems like they're starting there with with, with Minneapolis. And they, yeah, and, and they're. Uh, I mean, they're going to have it in Houston. Um, I think this will be the second time they've had it in Houston in two years, I believe. Um, but yeah, they're they are they seem to be trying to move it around more. But one of the one of the things that they try to limit it on sometimes is. Uh, they don't. They obviously air towards the stadiums that have a larger seating capacity, and so that automatically rules out some really good stadiums. I mean, having a Super Bowl in Seattle would be awesome, or having a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. I think that stadium. Oh is great. man, Philadelphia but, would be hysterical because you know what happened in Philadelphia? The all the Eagles fans would be bitter, yeah. so they would just line up, get there early, just park, pay to park, and yeah. tailgate, and just screw everybody else oh. over. And then getting fights with everybody on the way in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. And if, Talk I mean, about that MMA fighting. Yeah. And if, fighting. And if God forbid that that happened to be a year that the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl, like, <laughs> they would probably <laughs> physically try to burn the stadium down while the game is going on. But, I mean, no, I mean, but the, the one thing that's going to keep them from having a Super Bowl is it's the seating capacity. Because they, they want places that are holding closer to 80 and not, you know, closer to 60, which is what I believe Philadelphia and Seattle are both around the 60 to 65 range. Um, although what I'd like to see one year, I'd like to see them try to have the Super Bowl in like a big college stadium. I actually Ooh. think, I think it'd be awesome if they had it. The one that came to my mind was have it at the university of Texas in Austin at that stadium. It holds almost a hundred thousand people yeah. and it's Austin. That'd be an amazing place to have a Super Bowl. That see, I I love that idea. You know who's not gonna love the idea? The people actually pay. They're like, I'm not gonna sit on a bleacher seat. Oh yeah, that's to, true. to watch the game. Yeah. I want like cushy, you know, yeah. back seats. I, that I think is a great idea. I think yeah. you're onto something. I mean, I think it'd be amazing. And the Super Bowl to me has gotten, from a fan standpoint, a little bit frustrating because honestly, if you're a fan of the teams, it's pretty impossible to go. It's oh, all yeah. just corporate tickets. I mean, it's like you got to know somebody who can get a deal because they know somebody who has a ticket. Like, it's, yeah. it, and so it's a roll of the dice. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. And then, of course, one other thing that came out during the uh, owners' meetings was Jerry Jones gave a vote of confidence to adding John Bon Jovi to a group that's looking to buy the Buffalo Bills, which actually kind of ties into uh, something we talked about when in one of the earlier episodes was about the possibility of the Bills moving to Toronto mm -hmm. because this group is a Toronto based group. There you go. So it you know, it's gonna be kind of interesting. You know, I don't I don't know if what Canadian fans would think about this. Um, and it, I think it's interesting that Bon Jovi's in on it. I mean I, I'm assuming it's because his songs are just now getting released in Canada. <laughs> probably. Um, and you know, I mean I don't know. I mean they're probably just now buying the cassettes. But it's <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if that if that somehow is his, is the person that heads up that ownership group because I think he's supposed to be the main like face of the ownership group. Yeah. But 
I don't know. He has some. He has some success though. What doesn't he own? One of the Philly like. Yeah, he owned. Uh, I don't know if he still does. He was okay. own, He owned the. Um, was it the lingerie football league? No, team? no, no. He owned like a legit like. Oh, it was a, the arena. The league. arena football league. Uh, the yeah. Philadelphia Soul, I think. That's right. Well, that's Soul, I, yeah, because that's yeah. I think. I don't know that he does anymore. I think he sold his stake okay. in it because I, I think Jaworski actually owns the team now. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Very random. I mean, listen, John Bon Jovi, get him out there. Yeah. Get, Couldn't hurt. <laughs> Couldn't hurt. I mean, I mean, the guy's got to have some money, right? Oh, yeah. He could yeah, probably make I some mean, sort of investment. I'm sure. And, I mean, they. I mean, it's been seen before that for these celebrities, they have to make a minimal investment to get involved in these groups. I mean, yeah. I think Jay-Z's total investment into the Nets was like $50,000 or something, which the, the percentage of the value of the team, it was like hundreds of a percent. And the percentage of his actual net worth, I mean, it's not even close either. So, and somehow he comes out as like the owner. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what, when it came out that he only owned like $50,000 worth. That was actually one of the funnier ones too was whenever Terrell Owens, whenever he played for that Arena League team in um, in Dallas or right outside of Dallas and Allen, they said that he was buying in and he was becoming a part owner. And then once he just really screwed the team over and just didn't seem to be seem to care at all, they completely sold him up the river. And they were like, "Oh yeah, his actual investment was fifty bucks." <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Well, you know what? You know, bring in John Bon Jovi, throw a yeah. concert, open up that that new stadium. Oh, yeah, just open it up in style. Rock it out. Yeah, live on a prayer. <laughs> be amazing. I'll steal horse I ride. <laughs> yeah, be awesome. Well, uh, Justin, looks like we, we, we're, we're coming up to our hour, actually yeah. a little bit over. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on this week besides destroying me in stats? Oh, you know, just going to look up some more stats for next week. Yeah, just to blow me out of the water. Yeah, I'm going to make up some stats for next week. <laughs> just the best with me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, again, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at MLAbsurdity. Um, and uh, you can email us at majorleagueabsurdity at gmail.com. Uh, I haven't promoted this in a while, but hashtag DC All-Star Game 2017. Absolutely. Try to get that going again. Maybe we'll bring that up again next week. Then uh, hashtag Yingling World Cup. Don't forget that one. Oh, yeah, Yingling World Cup. So those are our first two hashtags. Well, I think that's it for this week. Uh, get out there and get that Taco Bell breakfast. Enjoy it. Enjoy it.